This is the Educated Home Buyer. Everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership. FHA versus conventional, which is right for you? There's a preconceived notion out there that based on your down payment, that you have to go a certain direction when it comes to loan program. And in some cases, that's true, but what we're gonna do in today's video is we're gonna debunk some of these myths. We're gonna talk about the differences between FHA versus conventional, help you make sense of it, help you you know, understand which loan program might be right for you. You know, Josh and I, we always talk about the numbers never lie. Compare both programs. If you're buying a house and you want to see what the loan programs look like, what your options look like, your mortgage professional should be providing both of these to you. But in today's episode, what we're going to do is give you the differences between the two and let you make a decision or get an idea of which one might be right for you. So when you have that to recall rather with your mortgage professional, you can direct them giving them an idea of the direction you wanna go. So Josh, let's start by just talking about FHA, talking about conventional, what they are in layman terms, if you will, and then we can start talking about down payment and credit requirements and all that good stuff. Let's throw an interesting piece of information out there. I, I get a lot of inquiries from people online and those folks have been on your YouTube channel, on Kyle's YouTube channel, other places doing research. And the conversation generally goes one of two ways. It's either don't say a word about an FHA loan. I do not want an FHA loan. Or we have people on the other side of the coin and they say, I've watched all the videos. I want an FHA loan. And I say, cool. It's sort of the, the thing, I'm not a doctor, but I stayed at the Holiday Inn Express last night. Don't try to play loan officer. Like you do not know from watching videos which one is right for you. I would say at least 50% of the time, the person is asking for the exact wrong thing. So some of this is counterintuitive. We're gonna go through those details today. But in simple terms, like you said, Jeb, what are these two loans? They are loans. One is directly guaranteed by the government, Department of Housing and Urban Development, runs the FHA, Federal Housing Administration, and they insure these loans. So it's a loan program that allows you to do a three and a half percent down minimum, and we'll go through the rest of the requirements, but that's the FHA program. Conventional loan generally refers to loans that are not underwritten to government guidelines. So these are technically private entities, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. I chuckle, <laughs> I chuckle, I chuckle when I say that. You chuckle when you say that. they've been in conservatorship for what, 112 years now, Jeb? And when we say conservatorship, meaning basically owned by the government. So it's not truly a government entity. They call them quasi-government entities, but as long as they're in conservatorship, just two different ways that the government can insure your home loan and make funding available for you. To be clear, Jeb, Neither of these situations is the government making you the loan. They are setting the framework and the guidelines for how these loans can be done and securitized depending on FHA versus conventional. So don't think that the government in either case is lending you the money, but the government is definitely setting the parameters for how these loans need to be done and what it's going to look like for you at closing time. Now, I would go out on a limb, Josh, and say that nobody really cares who's lending the money. They just want to know, can I get the money? So now that you know who you know backs the programs, let's talk about what you actually want to know. 
let's start with down payment. Let's talk about the idea of down payment requirements because I think between this and credit scores, in my opinion, really separates the, the two types of programs, FHA versus conventional. So let's start with the idea of down payment. What does FHA require? What does conventional require? What does that look like? So FHA is a minimum of three and a half percent down. Most everyone's familiar with that. More than 90% of FHA loans are done at the minimum down payment. If you look, FHA puts out housing trends report every month and it kind of breaks that down for you, shows you credit score distribution, all that fun stuff. But the interesting one is it is predominantly used by people who are doing a minimum down. Now, conventional loans on the other side actually have a lower minimum down payment requirement. You can do a 3% down payment if you are a first time home buyer or if you meet home possible or home ready guidelines, which the primary requirement is that your income is at or below 80% of your area median income. Depending on where you're at, a lot of these loans get done and they're a great option for first time home buyers or you're in Southern California and if you make 80% of the area median income, there's nothing you can buy using home ready or home possible. No, that's good to point out. You hear 3% and you think, great, I'd rather go with a conventional loan. It requires me less money down. But again, that doesn't always mean that's the best option for you because we're going to talk about some things here, mortgage insurance and some other things that add on to that that make it a lot of times less attractive from most buyers' point of view when they're going through the process and they're looking at the numbers and comparing the two options. So we've talked a little bit about that and that down payment, again, when you're talking 3%, 3.5%, we're talking of the purchase price, right? So when you're talking $100,000, you're talking three grand. FHA, $3,500. $200,000 purchase price, you're talking six grand or $7,500. Now, I realize a lot of you guys are saying, Jeb, why are you doing the math? <laughs> I'll be honest. I get this question. I'll post videos. I'll talk about three, three and a half percent. And people are like, what, do you, what does that actually equate to? Really simple, guys. You take 3% and you multiply it by that purchase price. That's essentially the amount that you have to put down. That's just the down payment. There are other things like closing costs. We've talked about those in past episodes of The Educated Home Buyer, what you should expect to pay in closing costs. That was in early in season one. So go back and check that out if you have additional questions about closing costs. Here, we're really talking about down payment when we're talking about these two programs. Before we move on, for those of you like us here in Southern California or other high cost areas around the country, high balance loans above that threshold of 726,200, 3% down is no longer an option, minimum down of 5%. So if you're in a high cost area getting a large loan, it does jump up to 5% conventional. And for a lot of people, believe it or not, super well qualified 800 credit score borrowers in Orange and LA County, oftentimes they'll go FHA just because it is a percent and a half less in down payment on a fairly hefty purchase price. No, good stuff. So let's move on, talk about credit requirements. Now, this is where the two programs somewhat separate from one another, but I want to talk about the pros of the credit requirements, but also the untold truth when it comes to some of these credit requirements, some of the things that say FHA allows, but may not be as easy to qualify for when it comes to actually getting those. So let's maybe start with minimum requirements with regards to FHA conventional, and then we can talk a little bit more about the details there. So let's just come out and say what FHA is, and then I'm going to follow up with why this is the number one misunderstanding that buyers get out of self-education on the internet. It's a 580 minimum credit score for a three and a half percent down payment. You can go lower than that, but below 580, it's 10%. I get calls all the time. People say, 
hey, I'm good. I've got a 585. I want to do FHA three and a half percent down. There's a couple problems with that. At 580, you are far less likely to get an automated approval. Doesn't mean we can't get you an, an approval, but without the automated approval, you're going to be limited to lower debt to income ratios with a manual underwrite. So you've already therefore restricted yourself in terms of what you can qualify for. The second piece of it, the interest rates are going to be significantly higher. Lenders have more. If you look at the fallout rate for loans below 620 credit score, more of them come into underwriting, fewer of them go out. So the labor to do these loans, most lenders will choose to pass. They set their own arbitrary number of 620, 640 because these loans are so labor intensive and unlikely to close. Those that do them charge a premium. So you're going to pay a higher interest rate, have a higher monthly payment, be held to a lower debt to income ratio and likely qualify for less. So none of those things are guaranteed, but in general, they are likely to be true. So what I tell clients is you really want to shoot for a 620 on FHA, 640 preferably. Most lenders, so FHA doesn't distinguish between these. Lenders make these arbitrary distinctions and the majority of them fall in at 640 will get you good terms with an FHA. 680 will get you the best terms. Are there some lenders out there that will pay a premium for a 740 credit score on an FHA? Yes, there are. But 640 and 680 are the thresholds you want to get. 620, there are a few lenders that drop that bar and you'll still be able to get much better terms if you can just clear that hurdle. Now, something important to note here, Josh kind of went over it, but didn't say the terminology the same way I would say it. These lenders have overlays on their programs, right? So 580 is the minimum guideline standard for FHA to put three and a half percent down. You might go into a bank, you might call a broker and they say, Hey, Jeb, Josh, you need a 640 to be able to get this loan. Now, what Josh is talking about, there is an overlay on the program. That particular lender who's doing the loan may not be able to go that low. Now that like Josh mentioned a moment ago, that doesn't necessarily mean you can't get the loan with a lower credit score it just means you need other options, right? And so when we talk about the idea of going into your local bank and your local credit union, there's very much a box that you fit into. If you don't fit into that box, essentially they can't offer you loan approval. They essentially can't do your loan. There are other places you can go. Brokers who have access to multiple lenders, multiple programs that can and oftentimes get your loan approved outside of these boxes. So just understand if you get a no one place, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a yes somewhere else, but it also doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get a no somewhere else. So a couple different options, compare lenders, make sure you're getting similar answers when it comes to the approval process, just in case you're getting that quote unquote no to start. But Josh, let's talk about conventional. So conventional, the number is a hard and fast 620. I'll throw a caveat out there that they changed this about a year or two ago. You can have a borrower on a file with a mid credit score lower than 620. If we have multiple borrowers, they will average the mid score of the two and that needs to be above 620. So you might have a 580 credit score. Your spouse has an 800 credit score. They're going to average that out and you just got a 110 point boost and we have a 690 average. But Unfortunately, they use your 580 for pricing. So you're eligible based off of your credit score, but you're going to get the pricing of the lower median score. So 620 is the rule for a single borrower to be eligible. Average the two borrowers, three borrowers, if we have more than one for eligibility, but pricing is going to be bad. And then we have the same issues here, Jeb. Conventional loans, 99% of the time have to go through an automated underwriting system. 
the lower you get in credit score, the higher you get in loan to value. So we're saying specifically here, we're talking primarily to first time buyers, 3% down, 5% down. You're at a high loan to value with a low credit score. You're less likely to get approved or it will approve you at a lower amount. The automated underwriting systems are truly a black box. We do not know the algorithms. We can sit there and play with your information and increase or decrease the loan amount by $1,000 and see, this is weird. Jeb will get approved at a 42% debt to income ratio, but not a 43. You know, we've talked about this on the show before. In general, conventional loans, you're going to get approval to 45%. The best borrowers will get approval to 50%. But we see weird stuff all the time where a marginal borrower is only going to get approved to 37% or 39%. No real rhyme or reason for it, but we have to kind of play with the system to figure out where the max is. No, and something also important to note there, Josh, is FHA can go as high as what debt to income ratio? FHA 40, 46.99, so call it 47% on your housing to income ratio, 57% on your total debt to income ratio. So when you add in your cars, student loans, credit cards, all of that stuff. Definitely a big difference debt to income wise. That can be a pro or a con for first time buyers. A lot of times they're, they're needing to stretch and they're comfortable with a higher debt to income ratio just comes down to what your comfort level is. That 57% debt to income ratio, I look at them, the FHA mortgage insurance system is solvent. They're not running out of money because of the foreclosures, but I look at it and I go, that's pretty aggressive. It's a pretty aggressive number to go to. It is, but it also translates for many borrowers out there being able to go higher in purchase price, a little bit more lenient on the guidelines if you do have some debt. And Josh and I understand aren't here pushing you to go to a higher debt to income ratio. Oftentimes we have clients that have income that doesn't necessarily report on their tax return. So they make more income than might be reported in some form or fashion. And so they're comfortable pushing that debt to income ratio a little bit higher because they know they have income coming from other places. And in this case, FHA would allow you to push past that box, if you will, that we talked about earlier, get approved for a little bit more. And maybe you even have lower credit scores or whatever, being able to take advantage of lower rates and use the FHA loan. So just understand, Leniency-wise, FHA is probably going to be the more lenient of the two. But Josh, I mentioned interest rate right now. Let's talk about rates. How do rates transfer between, you know, the differences between rates, FHA versus conventional? So this is funny, Jeb. People that listen here regularly know that you used to do loans. And it, it's I'm interesting. <laughs> Luckily for you, you don't have to do them anymore. <laughs> so when I started in the 90s, FHA and VA loans had higher interest rates than conventional loans. And the reason being, they go to higher debt to income ratios. They go to lower credit scores. There's a greater risk of default. So you have to be compensated for that as an investor, right? You want a higher yield. You want a higher rate of interest on your money. Well, somewhere along the line, post-2008, investors realized at that time, before government conservatorship of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, Fannie and Freddie have an implied government guarantee. FHA and VA have a literal backing of the U.S. government. So other than U.S. Treasuries, it's the best debt that you can own. As a result, you're going to have a lower interest rate on an FHA or VA loan. It varies from day to day, from lender to lender. In general, you'll have about a half percent lower interest rate on an FHA loan than a conventional. And probably an important part to talk about there, Jeb, is kind of going back to the credit requirements. 
Fannie and Freddie have an LPA matrix that goes from the minimum 620 credit score all the way up to an 800 credit score at 20 point breaks. And the lower you go on credit score, the more you pay across the board. So from that perspective, someone putting 3% down with a 780 credit score has to pay an extra 0.125 in fee. So $300,000 loan, it's about 375 bucks. That same borrower with a 639 credit score or a 621 credit score is paying 1.75 points extra. So you're looking at what, almost $6,000 on that $300,000 loan. So it is important to consider that because once you factor base rate is about a half percent better on an FHA versus conventional, when you go high LTV, low credit score, those conventional rates can get really high really quickly. And oftentimes for a low credit score borrower, you'll see a difference of one and a half percent between a conventional loan and an FHA. That's why kind of going back to the beginning of the show, Jeb, I get people call and say, don't talk to me about an FHA loan. I don't want an FHA loan. They're terrible. I've read all about them and this, that, and the other. Like, okay, well, you have a 642 credit score. Do you want to pay a percent and a half higher? Do you want to pay a 2% mortgage insurance premium? And they go, no, I don't want to do that. Okay, well, then let's talk about that FHA loan that you did not want to have. And again, like you just said, Jeb, this isn't to push someone one way or the other, but to say the numbers don't lie. Let's pencil them out. Here's what you can do FHA and what the payment looks like. Here's what you can do conventional and here's what the payments look like. Which do you prefer? And on top of that, I would say that the more common thing for people to want to shy away from FHA is when it comes to mortgage insurance. So let's talk about FHA mortgage insurance versus conventional mortgage insurance. Let's start with FHA, just some of the basics of mortgage insurance there. We can talk about some examples um, and then we can talk about property requirements between FHA and conventional. So two interesting quirks with FHA, regardless of how much money you put down, you put 80% down and finance 20% of the value, you still pay mortgage insurance. You will also, for the most part, have mortgage insurance for the life of the loan. And when I say for the most part is we talked earlier in the show, 90% plus of FHA loans are done with the minimum down payment. Unless you put 10% down or more, you will have mortgage insurance for the life of the loan. So it will never go away the way the FHA guidelines currently are written. So an important note, and that's one of the things that people freak out and say, I don't want FHA. I can never get rid of my mortgage insurance before you run the numbers and quantify the difference. So an interesting quirk also of FHA, everyone pays the same mortgage insurance rate. So Jeb has an 800 credit score. Josh has a 600 credit score. No worries. We both get to pay the same mortgage insurance rate. So minimum down standard loan balance, it's 0.55%. If you want to put 5% or more down, it will drop to 0.50. So people will often ask me, well, hey, what if I put 5% down? Does that get better? Yeah, you get 0.05% lower mortgage insurance. So for the most part, doesn't change your interest rate, minuscule difference in the MI, and that extra one and a half percent doesn't make a big difference in the loan amount. Most people say, I'll stick with that minimum three and a half percent down. The biggest difference here, Jeb, is it is a split premium mortgage insurance. Everyone knows, hey, I pay it monthly. I'm putting minimum down. I'm going to have it for the life of the loan. Shouldn't say everyone, but most of the people we talk to are aware of that. What they're unaware of or not clear on is there is an upfront mortgage insurance premium. So an additional 1.75% is added on to your loan. So we talked about- For everyone. Min- for everyone. Regardless so of down about- payment. Regardless of down payment. So we talked about this being a minimum 3.5% down. If you do that 3.5% down, we take 96.5% of the purchase price, and then they're going to add 1.75% back on top of that. So effectively, half of your down payment goes away and goes back to the FHA. And what do they do with that? Again, it's just like your monthly mortgage insurance premiums go to the FHA mortgage insurance fund. So does that upfront premium. 
and it sits there in their account until they wait for a down market when there are lots of defaults and foreclosures and they pay back the lenders for their losses for making these loans. So that is FHA mortgage insurance in a nutshell and it's really easy. Now, when we kick over to conventional, things get wild because there's lots of variations there and things that make the difference. So in general, your coverage requirements are gonna decrease with larger down payments. So the more you put down, the less insurance the lender needs. So that, that makes sense, right? You know, if you put 3% down, the lender is going to be forced to buy 35% mortgage insurance coverage. So it's in essence, the same as you putting 38% down. As you put more money down, then less mortgage insurance is required and the premiums will get lower. So these rates are all over the place. They vary on all of the factors that we just talked about. Higher credit score pays a lower mortgage insurance rate lower loan to value. So bigger down payment up to 20% down where it goes away, will pay a lower mortgage insurance premium. Two borrowers will pay lower premiums than a single borrower because the lenders or the mortgage insurance companies don't want a single point of failure. If Jeb and I buy together and one of us passes away, one of us is still around to figure out how to make the payments. Let's not even say passes away. One of us gets incapacitated and can't work. Well, at least there's one person to make that payment. If you go the other way, one borrower gets incapacitated, can't work. We pretty much have a big problem to the lender and the mortgage insurance company. So all I also of have those a big things, problem if I'm incapacitated. Yeah, I, we both have problems. The lender and us have big problems. Yeah, there's problems all around in that case. So not wishing those on anyone. So another big contrast to FHA loans is this can be removed once certain conditions are met. It's a little bit complicated. Go back to episode 12, just a few episodes back. We go into great detail on mortgage insurance, far more than we're going to here. But Jeb, I thought it was useful without going fully down the rabbit hole. We talked about FHA being 0.55%. If you get above the loan amount of 625,500, that jumps up to 0.85%. That's the government and their infinite wisdom. Once upon a time, the high balance loan limit or the standard balance loan limit was 625.5. So they said anything above that, you have to pay more mortgage insurance. Well, every year that gets indexed and goes up and they didn't think, hey, let's set it at the high balance or the standard balance limit. They set it at 625.5. So now you can get a loan up to a million eighty nine three hundred, but we still sit here. Anyone over 625.5 pays a higher mortgage insurance rate. So 0.55, 0.85, and you'll get 0.05 lower if you put 5% or more down. Now on the conventional side, I just want to throw two examples here and a couple of different down payments. So if we have a single family residence with two borrowers, both have a 740 credit score, and it's a 40% or lower debt to income ratio. If they put 3% down, it's 0.52%. So very similar to FHA, yeah. but the benefit, Jeb, obviously goes to the conventional loan because you don't pay that 1.75% yep. upfront. So you end up with a 97% loan versus the borrower who put 3.5% down but ends up with a 98 and change percent loan. So if we take that up to 5% down, it drops to 0.35%, even more in conventional's favor. If we go up to 10%, it drops all the way down to 0.23%. And you're probably sitting here going, well, if I got a 740 credit score and a co-borrower that has a 740 credit score, I got to go conventional. Well, remember, the interest rate is going to be at least a half percent higher on this conventional loan. So we still have to run the numbers, look at the pros and cons and pencil it out. This is the one that I wanted to show everyone, Jeb. Let's take that credit score down to a 660. Not a horrible credit score. Let's take away the co-borrower. We have a single borrower and let's bump that debt to income ratio up to 46%. With 3% down, assuming you get approved and the mortgage insurance company will approve this, 
they only want 3.16% per year wow. for their mortgage insurance. So six times what the FHA mortgage insurance is. And Jeff, six times the amount of example one. Yeah. Almost seven times the amount of example one. Yeah. yeah. So think about this, Jeb. In a year, I probably helped 10 borrowers that, that match that criteria. Sub 680 credit score, 46-ish DTI, and a single borrower. We do them FHA because these numbers are just crazy. So if you put 5% down, it drops down to 2.21%. Still crazy. You put 10% down, 1.5%. Still crazy. So if this person calls me and they're adamantly anti-FHA, once we run the numbers, they slowly or rather quickly actually come to the conclusion that, hey, maybe FHA is not so bad. If you're listening to this, I would say this is a little bit off topic, but if you're thinking about buying a house, maybe you're not 100% ready. It's in the cards, if you will. You're, in my opinion, better off focusing on your credit score, improving your credit score than you are focusing on getting a large down payment. I mean, granted, having both is nice, but just look, credit score alone improves your interest rate so much more than a couple more percent in the down payment. So if you're out there thinking about what to be working on, work on paying down your debt if you can. That'll help your debt to income ratio, but try to improve that score because it's going to make a huge difference at the end of the day when you go to do anything. I mean, car loan, housing loan, any type of financing, the better your credit, the better the terms. But Josh, let's move along here. We talked earlier about moving to property requirements, which we're going to do, but let's talk a little bit about loan limits. So there are some restrictions when it comes to FHA and conventional on how much money they will actually lend you. So what are the difference in the two? Start with conventional as a baseline. Conventional loans everywhere in the country, you can get to at least $726,200. That's the base minimum. If you're in a high cost area, you can get as high as 150% of that. So $1,089,300, it's 150% of the minimum. What I want to point out on that is that is not guaranteed. The best example for us in Southern California is San Diego County has high balance loans, but they don't go all the way up to a million 89. I think it's just under a million dollars is their limit. So it can be anywhere from the standard balance limit up to 150% of that for conventional loans. But at least it's easy to say everywhere in the 50 United States, a conventional loan, I can go up to 726,200. Hold on, there's 200. 50 states? I thought there were only 50, 48. Five, five zero. We got Alaska and Hawaii. We got oh, them 50, man. 70 or 80 years ago. I actually heard somebody say that the other day. I was like, bro, really? Really? We're still thinking there's like 48 states? Anyway, moving along. So throw it over to FHA and they complicate this a little bit because they have a floor amount. They set the floor, so meaning the lowest that the limit could ever be anywhere in all 50 of Jeb's United States is 65% of the standard balance limit. So it comes up to 472.030. That's the lowest that the FHA limit can be. For many parts of the country, it matches the conforming loan limits. But you have to look up your county and see where it falls in. We know it's going to be a minimum of 472.030. So an example, Fresno County here in California, they can only go up to 472.030 on FHA. They can only go up to 726.200 on a conventional loan. No high balance, nothing above the minimum county limit for FHA. Now, when we roll that over to conventional, Jeb, for us in Orange County, LA County, we're the opposite end of the spectrum. You can go as high as possible. So FHA and conventional can both go to the same maximum of 150% of the standard balance or 1089300 
And it's important to note the why, right? So it has to do with affordability in that area, right? So the median income levels in those markets are lower. Therefore, the amounts that they're willing to lend in theory should be lower. So they're not discriminating, just saying, hey, Fresno, you don't deserve it. It has to do with affordability in that market with regards to incomes and all of that good stuff. So, Well, Jeb, let's talk uh, but, about that just super yep. quick. What they do is it is set at 115% of the FHFA's median home price. So where you really get into problems is counties like Riverside County that in general have a lower countywide median home price, but pockets like Corona that have much, much higher prices. So the folks in Corona are stuck with a low limit because it's 115% of the county median, despite the fact that they have prices very similar, if not as high or higher than Orange and LA County. So no one gets to make a decision every January. It's written into the laws that yep. we run these numbers and we run this percentage on it and it tells us what the limit's gonna be. And with that said, as the median home price rises across the United States, that number typically goes up every year. But something also important to note, if the median home price comes down, prices drop, they don't typically lower the number. You never see the number go the other direction. It more or less will stay the same for that period of time. Kind of like when we used to see the 417, Josh has stayed there for a number of years when we were coming out of the housing crash debacle of 08. And then as prices started to increase, we started to see those loan limits increase as well. Yep. So we've talked about conventional. Let's talk about FHA. What's the difference? The difference in what part? Did we go over the loan limit in FHA? We started there, <laughs> my friend. That's awesome. No, I thought we started with conventional. You gave the basics of conventional. I didn't think we touched on all the details of FHA. The, the, but the floor limit of 472030. I did say that. Yes. Okay. So really, if most counties in the United States are somewhere between. They're either at that floor or slightly above it. So you need to go to the chart, look it up, just Google it. It will tell you your county's limit. Now, but FHA can go higher just like conventional, as we mentioned a moment ago. I mean, did I black out during this conversation when you went all over this? You were trying to name all 50 states. <laughs> I was going I over my were, head. I was like, like is Puerto Rico, Alabama, Puerto Rico. Just kidding. Okay. Well, hey guys, I guess I was out of the loop there. So let's talk about some differences in them when they come to, you know, we get people talking all the time, Josh, about, I don't want to do FHA because... I've heard that they are stricter with the appraisal. They're going to point out things in the property. It's just not going to work when it comes to buying that home using an FHA loan. So let's talk about some of those requirement-wise when it comes to conventional and FHA and how they're alike and how they're different. So an FHA appraiser is required by the FHA to do a visual and sort of minimal property inspection. So it's not the same. Jeb is still gonna tell you, we need to get a home inspection. That is not a home inspector, but they have to stick their head up in the attic. They have to look under the house. Anything they see that is obviously visually wrong, impaired, missing, problematic from a health and safety standpoint, they will call that out. So an FHA loan is more likely to have conditions on the appraisal. And what that means is there's two things that we look for when we get an appraisal in, Jeb. It's what is the value? Did we get the value that is the agreed upon price? And then is it as is, meaning they're cool with the way it is, or are there conditions that we need to fix with the property? I have one right now. It's a one that we have together or similar to one that we have together. The listing agent didn't make sure that the water heater was strapped. Appraiser goes out and now we have a condition on the appraisal to double strap the water heater, which is required here in earthquake country. So things of that sort. The big one with FHA, if you have obvious 
peeling, chipping paint, it will be called out and you will have to repair it. But for the most part, they're similar. I mean, a conventional appraiser, if they go out and there's an empty pool in the backyard that has a foot of black water sitting in the bottom of it, they have to call that out as a health and safety issue. They're still going to have an issue with it. It's just they aren't required to look quite as closely in the issues of the property. So you are more likely to have a conventional go through, but there's not in practical terms, a huge difference between the two. Now, and something also important to note here is that when you have properties that like need to be completely rehabbed, like for example, I have a client that made an offer on a property recently. I wasn't there when they saw it during the open house. They came back and wanted to write an offer and we knew there were some things that need to be worked on. Well, the bathroom in one of the bathrooms was completely gutted down to the studs in the bathroom. They were doing a, a conventional loan, putting a decent down payment. Well, basically the agent came back and said, listen, we've talked to several lenders. Nobody is going to finance this piece of property because we're down to the studs here. So when you've got those types of issues, it's going to be called out every single time. But I would say in my career doing these, rarely do you have issues come back in properties, FHA and or conventional that you wouldn't have guessed they would have been issues to start. It's things that you more or less in my eye, you already knew were going to be a potential hiccup within the property. And like Josh said, you know, I've seen properties where they didn't have heat. The furnace was missing from the property. That's a health and safety issue when you don't have heat in a property and temperatures get lower. So when you think there could be a problem, chances are you're probably reading it right. And it's not anything, in my opinion, usually above and beyond that. But it doesn't kill the deal necessarily, but it does require the seller to go out and repair, fix those issues. But it also costs you more money because now the appraiser has to go out again reinspect those things to make sure they are there and they're going to charge you to do that. So it's better to make sure this stuff's done up front so that appraisers aren't having to go out and redo things and just make sure you're not wasting your time, your money, or and even getting into a situation where you know, you're not going to be able to close on a property for, for some of these reasons. And Jeb, not to pat you on the back, but good agents will protect you from this. I said, we have the same issue on a listing that you are representing the buyers. And you came back after the home inspection said, do not send an appraiser out there because they have to get this done. On the other transaction, neither agent bothered to look at this. And my client is paying $165 reinspection fee after they repaired it. So what? It probably cost them 150, 200 bucks to have the handyman strap it. And we're paying, we which burnt $365 for no reason that they should have had that taken care of ahead of time. So like you said, a good realtor should know, hey, my listing is going to have an issue going FHA. So my seller doesn't want to pay for this peeling paint. I'm telling you it's there. You're going to have to repair it if you want us to accept an FHA offer. And one thing I don't see in our notes here, Josh, just want to clarify, conventional financing. Here in the state of California, termite inspections are really common. Coastal, we're by the water. Termites love damp areas. They love wood. Houses have wood. So you see a lot of termites in areas that we're in. Conventional loans don't necessarily require a termite clearance on a property. Is that different with FHA? Jeb, you're showing that it's been 10 plus years since you've done loans. Because back yes. in the day, FHA used to require it, right? When you okay, were doing loans, it was required okay. with FHA. They don't require it. But either one of them, let's say you have a horrifically termite infested house, conventional or FHA, that appraiser is going to go, hey, the eaves of the entire house are dropping dust on my head from the termites as I go around. It's going to be noted and the appraiser is going to say, or the underwriter is going to say, 
we seem to see that there's a termite, a potential termite infestation. I want a termite report. And then when the termite report comes back saying, yeah, there's $4,000 of repairs, they're going to require those repairs. The only type of loan today that still requires a termite report and clearance is VA. And that varies by the portion of the country. They have a funny little U map. So if you're in the middle top of the United States where it's very cold, you don't have to have it. But most of the US, you do VA. And one thing I want to mention here while we're talking about FHA and conventional, I don't want to go into a lot of detail because honestly, we could talk another 20, 30 minutes about this topic. In competitive markets, FHA loans are going to be a little bit harder to get accepted, in my opinion, just based off experience than that of a conventional loan because of some of the things that we mentioned here, because they allow a lower down payment because they allow a lower credit score, because there could be the possibility that an appraiser calls out some of these things on a property. And you might be asking, why does it matter, Jeb? I've been pre-approved. The lender says I'm good to go. Why do these things matter? Because it's perception. Agents that don't understand FHA loans, sellers that are getting bad information from their agent with regards to FHA loans, often will frown on FHA when comparing it to a conventional loan. And oftentimes in competitive markets, like the ones we've seen over the last couple of years, when there's multiple offers, five, 10, 20 offers, and there's an FHA in there, the FHA many times is going to get pushed to the bottom of the pile because of some of these things. So if you're in a less competitive market, a buyer's market, if you will, nothing selling, chances are there's no real issues with FHA, but it is something important to note. Doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Just make sure you're working with an agent that understands FHA loans so that they can convey that to the other side, have a lender that can have that conversation with the agents also, just to make sure that you're all on the same page. Because again, it's perception, it's not reality, but it can affect in some cases your ability to actually be able to get an offer accepted. Jeb, listening to you talk, listening to the things that I said, my big takeaway from this, I mean, sometimes we do an episode and I'm talking, you're talking, we know what we're going to talk about, but hearing us go through it brings some about some different thinking. And it just reminds me that there's not a right answer. It's nuanced. Your realtor is going to have some input. The property you're buying is going to have some input and some borrowers have to go one way or the other. And generally yeah. that one way is FHA, but Oftentimes we've got options and there's pros and cons. It's a balance. There's not one that, hey, this is the right one. So the only thing I wanna leave everyone with today is there's not a right answer. Don't have preconceived notions. Make sure you're working with someone who's an expert on both sides of the equation, FHA and conventional loans, knows how to work with mortgage insurance. As Jeb said, knows how to help you maximize your credit score. Oftentimes paying off some debt and going to lower down payment will get you better terms and much better cash flow. So no right answer, do your homework, work with pros, arrive at the best decision for you and your situation and the property that you're looking to buy. There's nothing of value that I can add on top of that. So I'll end with thanking you guys for continuing to listen, the continued support. If you find any value at all, leave us a review. If you're seeing us on YouTube, give us that thumbs up. But until next time, adios. Thanks for listening to The Educated Home Buyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com slash expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube. And make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.